1: Radio Red in the house. We've got a lively group tonight. My guests are smiling and laughing and dancing, and this is a beautiful thing. It is April 24th. Oh, my goodness. The year is just zipping by, and for those of us who made it through the past couple of years, this is a good thing. I have to do a shout-out. I didn't rehearse my guests, but you're all going to join me. I want you to put your fingers up in the shape of an L, Frank and Krista, and Chris. There we go. And come on, Frank. Put there. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying, hello, L. L L. See if you can match my pace. One, two, three. Hello. L L L. L. That was the best ever in years. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs. She's our most loyal listener. She's in Whitestone, New York. She's not feeling well Mm. tonight. She's going to try and tune in later. She got hit by, you know what, it just is lingering. But she has been with me. She will send me an email every Monday night at 8.01 p.m. Eastern time telling me how she enjoyed the show. She'll give me a little recap of everything my guests spoke about on the mm-hmm. air and tell me that she really enjoyed it. So there you go. We're trying to get her to move to a place that starts with L, but Chris London was too hot last year and Krista Larchmont really isn't right for her. And Frank, I don't know what to tell you, but we're taking nominations for a place that starts with L that's classy like lovely lanky Laura legs. There we go. She is a dancer by the way, that's where she got her her moniker. Legs. Okay, I want to do a quick shout-out before I introduce my guest to a gentleman named Robert Lee Brewer, who is leading the P.A.D. Poem of the Day Challenge for the month of April on a website called Writer's Digest, and I recently joined that group, and every morning he sends a prompt, a special webpage, he sends a prompt on what the theme of the Poem of the Day is, and there are several dozen of us who write and post a poem on that theme, any format, and I learned there are over 150 poetry formats. So I've been doing it almost the entire month. I missed two days having a blast getting to know people. This isn't just rhyming stuff. This is all kinds of poems, and it's a blast. So I want to do a shout out to all of the people who are there doing the Poem of the Day Challenge. So today is April 24th, as I said. It's the 114th day of the year. We're using the Gregorian calendar. Christy, you may not know this, but Pope Gregory the Thirteenth in October 1582 didn't like the Julian calendar, so he decided to replace it. What a scamp he was. So here we are. He changed it to be more aligned with the Earth Sun revolution. He omitted a leap day every three centurial years, something like that. Anyway, I think of him as one of the original creatives because he just didn't say, oh, somebody else did it. He said, I don't like it. I'm going to do something about it. So there are 251 days left in the year. This is the 17th Monday. And the reason I mentioned the 200. 251 days is, Frank, we're all going to be celebrating New Year's Eve again with great gusto. So if you want to buy something special, if you're a, a wine enthusiast, you better get on a website or go to a liquor store and reserve something now because people are going to be buying the good stuff. Krista, I think you're the type who's going to want to make her own homemade Kahlua is my guess. And the flavors have to meld. So you need to start by May. OK, it's going to take necessary. a while.
2: Not necessarily good, but my father did have a rum still on the on the stove.
1: There you go. So <laughs> now she knows the first guest who's ever told me anything like that. And Chris, I'm guessing that you've got a still for some bootleg whiskey in the backyard or in the sink or something like that. You're going to do that. So <laughs> everybody just <laughs> just get ready. There you go. So here we are, and we are now in the Western zodiac sign of Taurus. Is anybody here on the show a Taurian? <gasps> Frank, what's the date of your birthday?
3: The 30th of April.
1: Oh, early happy wow. birthday. Early, early, yeah. happy birthday. Well, I'm happy going birthday. to read who Torians are before I before I get my guests to introduce themselves a little early here. By the way, everybody, wave hello. Krista and Frank and Chris, wave hello. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, and people are enjoying seeing your smiling faces. That means you have to smile. Taurus is the second astrological sign in the modern zodiac represented by the bull. Taurans enjoy relaxing in serene environments surrounded by soft sound, soothing aromas, succulent flavors. Does this describe you, Dr. Douglas, does it? Certainly does. Okay, there we go. Taurus is ruled by Venus, the enchanting planet that governs love, beauty, and money. Taurus is the most sensual of the Zodiac. I'd better stop there. But they're stubborn. (laughs) They stay in unhealthy situations. No, to prove a point, but they're dependable partners, and they take care of their friends and lovers with trustworthiness and devotion. There you go. And I'll read some famous birthdays later, and we'll know who they are. So let me tell you who I have on the show today. Krista M. O'Connor. Am I saying O'Connor, right, Krista? O- perfectly. Or absolutely. Okay, perfectly. She is uh, a lady who has been busy her whole life. She's a semi-retired attorney. She'll explain that later. She's an artist. She's a novice sailor. She's the author of Papo, The Magic Kitten Arrived. She's going to hold up the book cover for us later. It's a Grimm's Brothers-style fairy tale that has every. Element the Grimm's brothers would have scary events, a little bit of magic, and a happy ending. Krista, welcome, and you're going to give us your full bio in just a minute here. Then we and welcome. We have Dr. Frank L. Douglas. Frank, wave hello again. He's the CEO of Safe Haven Dialogues, LLC. He's an award-winning industry veteran with more than three decades in healthcare, pharmaceuticals, and entrepreneurship. And he's also an author. Frank, wave hello. There you are. And then we have Chris Jankulovsky. Did I say that right, sir? Jankulovsky. There
2: we, key, but you got there lot, we <laughs>
1: go. Jankulovsky. He's the author of Near Death Lessons and the founder and CEO of remote staff. He has worked as a business coach, a marketing consultant, and a real estate portal business founder. You've been busy, Chris. Wave hello. (laughs) And I'm just radio red, just here for the heck of it. I'm calling this show (laughs) in honor of you, Krista. I'm calling this episode because I give a different name every week. And I'm calling this Sailing into Creativity in honor of you, Krista, okay, because that's one of your themes. So on that note, here's what's going to happen. Krista, I'm going to put you on full screen speaker view so everybody can see you. Would you take about three minutes, please, and introduce yourself, fill in all the blanks between the little bit that I shared. Krista, welcome. Go ahead.
2: Hello, everybody. I was born a long time ago, oh, my God, in Germany. (laughs) Uh, At the age of nine, I moved to Canada. My father had lived there already for six years, and I basically really didn't know him. So we moved to Canada, and my mom, she thought she had died and gone straight to hell because we moved all the way over to British Columbia, which is at the very tippy tail end of West Canada on the ocean. And she thought she had gone into some barbaric hinterland, she was not a happy camper, so we were there a couple of years. My sister and I loved it, it was wonderful. It was, so, And girls could wear pants, in Germany we weren't allowed to wear pants, uh, you know, to school or to any outside, the, we had to wear dresses and skirts, so this was so liberating, I loved it so much. But from there we went to New York, and I got to see my first black people, Frank Douglas, And I didn't realize that when you're white and all your life you've been around white kids, you recognize them by the color of their hair, and by the color of their eyes. And now suddenly I'm in New York and I'm seeing all these people and they all have brown skin and they all have black hair and they all have brown eyes. And I think, oh my God, how am I going to tell people apart now? The girls were easy because they had all kinds of neat hairstyles and the boys took longer. You had to really pay attention to the, the, the size of the nose. And you know, they had all these distinguishing features which I wasn't looking for, didn't know how to look for. So that was an awakening for me. So from there, we moved all over the place. My father turned into a building superintendent and we moved from the Bronx to Queens, to Long Island to Brooklyn and ended up in Manhattan. And I loved Manhattan, I fell in love with New York. But you know, all these different schools and I was not particularly outgoing and sociable so it was really hard to make friends. Anyway, I got married and then I married a guy, the army took him and then I'm moving around some more to Connecticut and then to Oklahoma and then to Texas and then to Pennsylvania. And it's like one thing after the other. Um, But that was a long time ago and somehow I managed to stumble into the law by accident. And of course, there are no accidents, right? But I loved it so much, I was a paralegal for 18 years in Santa Fe. And then I decided, listen, I'm doing the work of a lawyer, I might as well get the money. So then I went to law school at 56 and realized, when you go to school at 56, your brain isn't quite as sharp anymore. Uh, But anyway, I managed to graduate from law school and have a career in law. And it was amazing, but it was exhausting, and I really—I—I I don't like fighting with people. I really don't. I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. So it exhausted me. So then I thought, what can I do that would be more fun and better for me? So I came up with the idea of sailing a boat to the Caribbean and riding while I was sailing. Uh, and so I did that. I took a boat from Panama City down to St. Thomas. And then I got there and I realized I'm really not a good diesel mechanic. And you really have to be a good diesel mechanic in order to keep a sailboat going if you're going to blow, right? And so I you know, I did it for six months and then I gave it up and came back to be a landlubber. But I really don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I'm changing into writing now. I'm writing books, I'm um, writing all kinds of stuff now. So that's my new, what I'm going to do with the rest of my life as soon as I grow up.
1: Thank you. I don't plan to grow up at all, Krista, so I'm with you. So you can just stay with me, and the sailing sounds very interesting. Thank you for that intro. Appreciate it. You've had quite a moving around life already. I have a feeling there's a lot more coming for you. Dr. Frank Douglas, you're next. I'm putting you on speaker view. Please do us the honor of telling us who you really are. Welcome, Frank.
3: Well, I'm still trying to decide who I really am. I was born in what was British Guyana, now Guyana, and came to America at age 20. I was lucky I got a Fulbright scholarship to go to Lehigh University where I studied engineering, and then went on to Cornell and uh, got both a PhD in physical chemistry and an MD. So I'm both a physician as well as a scientist. I was an academic physician for a short while then was discovered by the pharmaceutical industry and uh, went to the pharmaceutical industry and uh, eventually became the first uh, black person to be uh, on the board of management of a top five global pharmaceutical company. It was Aventus, it's now Sanofi. And I was the executive vice president in charge of global uh, research and development. Retired in 2004, went back to academia uh, for a while, then had my second retirement, then was called out of retirement to run a small biotech company, which unfortunately ran out of money. So I had my third retirement. And in my third retirement, I've been writing books. Uh, in 2018, I wrote my, uh, my memoirs, which, are, uh, which is entitled Defining Moments of a Free Man from a Black Stream. Why a free man from a black stream? It's actually my name. Frank is Celtic and means free man, and Douglas is Scottish and means from a black stream. And about uh, four or five weeks ago, I published my second book, which is entitled Addressing Systemic Discrimination
1: Mm.
3: by Reframing the Problem. And uh, this is now uh, my new mission in, in life.
1: Thank you, Frank. Very, what interesting people. I feel like I've done almost nothing and I'm only on my ninth career right now. So <laughs> I'll have to get started, get started, get started living, get busy living. And we know what quote that's from. Thank you very much, sir. Welcome. And Chris Jankulovsky. <laughs> Did I say it right, Chris? You're, my saying, sm- it. You're saying it good. My you said it actually more clearly when you said it's lovely. Frank Jankulovsky. Okay, <laughs> rescue me here. Go ahead. Let's have your three-minute bio, please. Uh, well, my name's Christian Jankowski. I'm living between Sydney and
4: and LA. Uh, I'm in LA right now. Um, I'm a I'm a businessman and a, a, a new author. Whoops, you can't see it anyway. An new author of a, of a book called Near Death Lessons. I've had lots of adversities, and I think the best way to summarize my life right now, at the age of fifty, is. Uh, I'm on a quest to, to contribute, uh, as much as I can, uh, contributing fellow entrepreneurs life to do more contribute in other people's lives personally to be more. And I, I guess these are the two focuses for me right now. Uh, I run a large company in Australia, and now I'm building a uh, remote staff here in America to help American employers optimize and utilize offshore talent effectively, specifically from the Philippines. Um, and the book, uh, it's its a big driver for me. Uh, I finally convinced the wife and the kids to come down to America. They're coming to join me soon, so I'm very excited to have them here. to show them, you know, the good old everything that LA has to offer, um, as well as cruise ships and stuff. And uh, and she, she thinks, unfortunately, everyone's dangerous and crazy. So, unfortunately, the international media has painted a picture that is uh, I'm very unfortunate. But uh, can you believe it's taken me six months to convince her no... They're not all dangerous. No, it's not all crazy. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's a little element of that, but, you know, come on. it's uh, <laughs> There is a lot of other awesomeness out there. So uh, finally, she's going to see it for herself and not be blindsided by the media. But that's me.
1: That's lovely. I will tell you that years ago I lived in Eugene, Oregon, and mm-hmm. I relocated back to my roots in New York, and my children were in school in, in Oregon, and when their friends find out that found out that mom was bringing them back to new york where my parents were my family they were told be careful it's a very dangerous place and somebody wanted to give my kids knives to take to new york that they should be careful on okay. the streets. We weren't moving to Manhattan, Krista. We moved to Great Neck on Long Island, the North Shore, the, almost the Gold Coast. And it wasn't very dangerous at all. Interesting, but not dangerous. And we won't go there because we don't We don't get political on this show, just so you all know that. But thank you for the bios. I appreciate it. Now let's move into the segment of the show where I've asked you each to send me a fictional quote from a movie or TV character or a song lyric. I think we have a little bit of everything today. So Krista has sent us a Quote from Auntie Mame, a uh, comedy filmed in Technicolor in 1958 based on the novel Auntie Mame by Edward Everett Tanner III under the pseudonym Patrick Dennis. And it was a theatrical adaptation as well, starring Rosalind Russell. Ros Russell, anybody remember her? Krista, you do. And uh, not to be confused with the musical of the same that appeared on Broadway and Lucille Ball was the title character on the musical, Patrick Dennis Orphaned in 1928, when his father died unexpectedly, is placed in the care of his mame auntie mame Dennis in Manhattan. She's flamboyant and exuberant. She hosts parties, sounds like Pearl Mesta, with a variety of guests and free spirited friends, including the frequently drunk actress Vera Charles. On and on and on. A lot of colorful people in that crowd. So here's the quote Krista has selected from the film: "Life is a banquet." And most poor suckers are starving to death. Oh my, Krista, let's look on the upside of this one. Go ahead. Talk about the banquet. How'd you find this, Krista?
2: I just love Auntie Mame. I thought she was great. And I thought any child lucky enough to be brought up by her would have to be creative, would have to be genius because of the way she raised him, right? Uh, but basically, when you look look at the line, and she said this as she's dragging this cooch or up the, the staircase, telling her to live, live, live. Right. This is a lady who has is mousy and plain and does nothing with her life. And here's Auntie Mame saying, well, "Why don't you do something? Why don't you be something? I mean, look at everything available to us." And this poor, poor soul just has no idea what Mame is talking about. So what she does is she goes out and she gets herself impregnated. Basically, is what she does. So <laughs> that's, that's that character, but there was so much more that she could have done with her life, right? And that's what Maim is saying. She's saying that we are surrounded by a sea of plenty, but most people are not looking and they don't see it. And that's the same with creativity.
1: That's right. That's right. And we'll be talking about the impact of creativity on your life and Chris's and Frank's in a little while and getting your, your input. We're not giving advice to people. We're hoping just to inspire them by the lives you are all leading. That's the point. Let me go on to Frank Douglas. You have sent a quote from Anthem by Leonard Cohen, who left us way too soon. Leonard Norman Cohen, C-C-G-O-Q, 1934 to 2016 Canadian singer-songwriter, poet, and novelist. And he was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Companion of the Order of Canada, and he was called uh, in 2023, this year, Frank, Rolling Stone magazine ranked him 103 out of the 200 greatest singers of all time. Did you know that? That's quite an honor honor for for Leonard Cohen. Uh, What's interesting is he found out somewhere in his career that his manager had stolen the rights to his music and given away the whole songbook. Everything was gone. And his money was gone. His publishing rights were gone. So he had to go back and start touring again, which he had given up to recoup. And that was the end of the last few years of his life. But I'm sure the people who were at his concerts really appreciated seeing him again. So here's the line Frank has selected from Anthem by Leonard Cohen. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That's a beautiful line, Frank. Can you tell us how you found it out of all the wonderful lyrics from Leonard Cohen? Go ahead, Frank.
3: Well, I love Leonard Cohen, not only because of hallelujah. In fact, uh, I am hoping posthumously (coughs) that like Bob Dylan, he gets the Nobel uh, for poetry. Uh, I I, I think his songs are just incredible. And what I love about that line uh, is You think about a crack and uh, you look at a wall, a crack in the wall, and you think that the wall has been damaged. You don't see that as positive. And then he says, that's how the light gets in. And to me, that's Hmm. what innovation is all about. In fact, I used to say to my scientists, you know, let's find the white spaces. We can talk about all that is known. We can talk about everything we would like to do, let's step back and find, and I'll use Leonard Cohen now, the cracks in the wall, the white spaces, and let's go there. So that's what I love about that line. The imagery of it to me is great. You've gotta have a crack to let the light in. And the fact that crack is something, not just that makes a a wall not look good, it's something that is necessary to let innovation, to let beauty, to let the light in.
1: Creativity. Thank you. When I'm sometimes I mentor young women. I'm I'm considered an early woman in tech. I was a programmer analyst back in the nineteen hundreds. Back in the old punch days, COBOL, Xerox Xerox Sigma-6 CP5, and PL1 on a 4341 IBM. And uh, I was uh, selected to give the kickoff speech for the Women in Big Data organization last year on International Women's Day, March eighth, 2022. And I told them about the days of the mainframe computers. But what I tell, tell young women when I have the opportunity to talk is I say, if you see a little tiny, Frank, here it comes, a little crack in the window or the door kick it in and find the opportunity on the other side. And I think that's the same thought is don't stagnate. Don't stay. If something, if there's light coming in from the other side, go find what's there, make something happen. So Frank, thank you so much for the beautiful quote from Leonard Cohen. Of course, Hallelujah is just a wonderful, wonderful song. My daughter told me that she was at camp many years ago with Leonard Cohen's daughter, I think, and uh, we, we didn't know anything about who he wasn't, that there was just some camp and some kid from Canada showed up in her bunk or in her group. And, and later she said, I think I went to camp with Anyway, there we go. Chris, I'm looking at your quote. It's from an Australian rock band called Midnight Oil. The song right. is Power and the Passion. They're informally called The Oils. They're a rock band composed of Peter Garrett, Rob Hurst, Jim Moyni, And Martin Rotsy, they were formed in Sydney in 1972 and blah, blah, blah. They changed their name in 76. And here's the whole history. They have, oh, they've only sold over 20 million albums worldwide as of last year, Chris. I I don't know why I've (laughs) never heard of them. Uh, Here's (laughs) here's the quote you picked. Very interesting. It's better to die on your feet than to live on your knees. Chris, Mm. talk to me. How'd you find this? Good line. Go ahead. Look, um, I got diagnosed at nineteen.
4: Told I'll be dead by thirty, and then I lived a victim life, running away from my diagnosis, pretending I never, never received it. I ignored it so deep down that I thought, you know, it might go away if I really ignored it that much. But I didn't. I didn't know at the time that I was running away from everything else in life. Uh, this this notion of running away from this diagnosis had me running away from my. Uh, commitments in things. I was starting things, starting uh, quitting and all this stuff. And then it, it, it dawned on me that, you know, I've had enough of always begging for life, always living on my knees. And uh, this is not a way to live. Being a disempowered victim in life, you're just going to, what, live out your days? Uh, scared? Often doubtful? Doubtful? Uh, always uh, nervous to do anything? Nah, stuff that. Um So I made a vow at the age of 25 and I said, you know what, I'd rather be dead, broke, than continue living the rest of my life on my knees, begging for an income, begging for an opportunity to get some expression of creativity, to do something I might have a passion, a purpose in. I had enough of other people restricting my life. And so that was when I decided to become an entrepreneur as well. So that was that moment, that was that song.
1: Very well put. You have to seize, right? Seize the opportunity. Mm. Get up, grab it, face it do something about it. Thank you all for the very interesting quotes. I'm, I'm very pleased with the effort you all put into that. It's a lot of fun. So let's go to our creativity statements. Now here, I don't need you to go look them up, but I'm going to pick one from each of you. We might have time for two. And I will read a little bit. Krista, I've picked your statement number four. Don't go searching for it. I'm going to read it. And I want you to just explain a little bit about what it means to you. And then if Chris and Frank want to say anything you've got, I think you've all got five fingers on each hand. You've got one finger that's not nice. Wave one of the nice fingers at me and I will see your finger wiggle and I will call on you if you want to comment on anything Krista says. Then I'll pick one from you, Frank, and I'll read it for you. And then one from you, Chris, and then we'll see how much time we have. So Krista says, statement number four, she says, in 2021, I returned to New Mexico and rented a two-bedroom condo. In two weeks, I'd rounded up all the furniture and furnishings needed through consignment shops, Craigslist sellers, And she had talks about what she got from goodwill and and how she decorated and the decor really creating a space. Krista, I don't want to read the whole thing. Can you give us the story, please? Go ahead.
2: Yes. When I decided that I was going to move onto a boat, a 28 foot boat, I got rid of absolutely everything in my life except my photo albums and my journals. Right. And so then I came back after four years of sailing and, being on the boat with nothing, nothing here. And I thought, okay, what what am I going to do? And one of the things, defining characteristics of my life is that I am a nester. Wherever I go, I want to be cozy and comfortable. And I make everything, just even a little tiny boat, cozy and comfortable. So I was running all over the place. I mean, within two weeks, I had bought the most wonderful, exquisite items you could imagine from thrift shops. And I started with a thrift shop quilt that I absolutely loved. And then the entire unit got decorated based on that one item. And I mean, it, it just turned out wonderful. And people come and say, you did this in two weeks? I said, yes, it's very easy. You know, you, if you know what you like and you know what you want, you can do it.
1: And the search, the quest for finding what you want and what you like, and maybe not even knowing what you like until you see it. Right, Krista?
2: That's exactly right.
1: Finding something, walking into, I, I went on a quest for some unusual silverware cutlery, shall we say, at Goodwill many years ago. I just was in the mood and I found some very interesting knives, just butter knives, not not, not uh, sharp knives, with a handle. And it says something like cook's club or something like that. And it was light blue, it was plastic and it was light blue with little flowers on it. And I still have a couple of those. And I paid a nickel or a dime for them. It wasn't a, a big investment, but it was something lovely. And I moved to Tennessee recently. And a friend and I were wandering around. And we found a a, an, a veteran-sponsored thrift shop and walked around and looked at some of the bowls and dishes people were had put up for consignment or whatever they did. And I found a beautiful, not cut glass, but it looks like a beautiful soup bowl that I am turning into a planter. And I found a, like a crock pot, but with a handle. You would put it in the oven and and maybe put cheese in it or something. And it's a fabulous planter. And it's red, of course. And I filled it with clean potting soil and put my coleus, rooted coleus that I, when I moved, I took with me. And it made a beautiful planter. And Krista, I didn't know I was going to find it but it went with my theme of red accessories and the size was right. These things were about a dollar, a dollar. I felt badly. I thought I should have paid them more. Don't tell them. Anyway, thank you very much, Frank. Anybody want to say anything about, yes, Frank, please comment, please join us.
3: No, Krista. Uh, I, I must, I had the pleasure incidentally of uh, meeting Chris uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so we've, we've met before and had a, a wonderful opportunity to speak some German with her. That's why I counted back in German. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was really an honor of Christa. Uh, but as she was describing, you know, her life, I got this picture, this image of a bird. And here is this bird for four years with its nest moving around on a boat instead of flying. <laughs> so when she she finished off just now with this uh, uh, story of, of settling and being a nester I couldn't help again but seeing this picture uh, of of the bird now on a boat sailing in its nest <laughs> <stack. laughs>
1: That's lovely that's very lovely thank you and Frank I'm going to go to your creativity statement number 3 this is interesting you're waxing musical you say creativity is like a jam session you have to listen to the other musician. Can you unpack this for me, please? Tell us more.
3: Well, you know, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, When I became the head of research for what was then Siba Geigits, now Novartis, uh, and it was a very difficult uh, time. It was a very hierarchical uh, uh, company. And the technicians were never allowed to go on retreats, et cetera. So the first thing I did uh, when I took over is I took the usual top scientists, and I also asked the heads of departments to select two technicians who they thought were very creative and uh, uh, invite them to the retreat. It was usually about three or four days. In the, the, the uh, colleague from Human Resources, whom I asked to help me uh, basically organize this retreat, suggested that we should have an opening session, uh, which they call an icebreaker, where people sit around and tell something about themselves. And I said, you know, I'd like to have some music playing. And she selected uh, a piece by... Um, uh, uh, Suvin Mehta, the mm-hmm. composer, the yep. sound composer. And it was a beautiful piece. And he talked about different aspects of that piece. And he talked about how important it was for the various members of the orchestra not to be playing by themselves, but they have to be listening to the other instruments to know when to come in, etc. And that stayed with me. And in fact, in a real sense, when you're working in teams and when you're innovating, you, know, you really have to have a sense of what the other members of the team uh, uh, what other members are doing. And, and, and so that has, uh, has actually uh, stayed with, with me as a, a nice image of teamwork, not playing your own instrument, but being very good at that, but also being very good at listening to the tunes and the, and the, the signs, etc., from the others on the team.
1: Co-creating, right? Co-creating. Co-creating. Co-innovating. Krista or Chris, anything you want to say? Because I have something to add. Anybody? Chris, you want to say?
4: Well, I mean, uh, that's the only way magic happens, right? I mean, uh, <coughs> often, often our perspectives and our point of view in our creative expressions are only but one direction. Whereas other people and what they have to bring just widens the color, the creativity, the exposure, uh, uh, the value of what's presented. So, yeah,
2: awesome. I I would only add one one thing to that, and that is organizations tend to not really think deeply about the lower echelon members. And Frank bringing them into the picture Mm -hmm. would really motivate them to do their best because then they feel more that they're part of this organization now and that somebody cares about what they're doing, right? So, I mean, I can see this in terms of growing a much healthier structure than what you walked into when you took over the job, Frank. Yes,
3: Yes, and, uh, and there are a couple of uh, which I, I wouldn't go into, but there were a couple that happened a few months later, a couple of examples, one of which the observation made by one of these technicians that was being ignored, uh, actually caused us to terminate a compound which could have caused a lot of problems for patients. It had a significant side effect. But what was more important than that as the team was all unhappy, et cetera, determination, is I said that what this colleague has done, this technician, what he has done he's actually identified a mechanism of action that we were not aware of so he had uncovered something scientific that really had increased the knowledge in the in the pharmaceutical industry with respect to these types of compounds
1: all kinds of diversity aren't there frank all yeah. kinds of the diversity of thought of background of knowledge of of uh, where where your creativity comes from i just want to share with you that years ago i had a a small stand-up comedy troupe, and I also took improv lessons. I performed in some big clubs and little clubs and libraries and bookstores around Long Island. And um, when I took my improv lessons, we learned an interesting thing that goes right along with what you said, Frank Douglas. We had an exercise where there might have been 15 or 20 of us walking around a room, and we were told to walk very loosely in a circle around the room. And the instructor, who was a, a well known person from Chicago, Second City, he said to, so he picked somebody uh, and he said, let's say you, Chris. Chris, say something, one sentence that you would hear in your travels around Manhattan, because this was in New York, something you might hear every day in Manhattan. And say it three times and just walk around the room. And when you're ready, make eye contact with somebody. Don't assign them to say something else. But they will get a sense of when the room needs them to add. Not, oh, it's my turn, call on me, call. not like that. It was a fine distinction of co- collaboration, Frank, of cooperation. But for example, so Chris have walked around, and he said, damn, you took my parking space. Damn, you took my parking space. Damn. <laughs> and we're walking around in the damn, you took my parking space. And then it was like somebody realized it was not their turn. The room needed them. So somebody would say, what? That banana's $2.50? Are you kidding? What? That banana's $2.50? Are you kidding? But it wasn't like, oh, I didn't have a turn yet. You raise your hand. There was the sense of what did the room need. And when you look at improv, you'll see that people jump in without a script, and they have a sense of what does the skit need? What does the sketch need? Not what do I need. That's listening to the other musicians. Frank, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Brought back some good memories. Let me move to Chris. I'm looking at your statement number three. This is very interesting. You say, I used to start doing things, but never finishing them when I was a disempowered individual. But now, being an empowered individual, I have become more creative and productive. True confessions time, Chris. Let's hear it. Go (laughs) ahead.
4: Look, I mean, when, when, you're, when you're disempowered, uh, I pretty much just think of anxiety. Um, when, you're, when you're disempowered, you know, you can't put your best foot forward. You, you can never do all these things. But when when you're empowered, what's awesome is that you can apply yourself wholeheartedly. You've got more clarity with your desires. You've got more d- drive. And then you can be a little bit more strategic. So one of the best ways for me especially when we all creatives, is to actually, because we always say we never have time, we never have time. None of us have any more time than anybody else. But the difference is how we use our time. And time is our most valuable resource. So what we simply need to do is first have an intention and block out that time to focus and to do blah, whatever that is. Starts with something so simple, allocating time to do something. And, and I know that sounds basic, but... Seriously. I mean, in this day and age, when there's social media, when you're jumping from one thing to another, it seems like an impossible thing to do. You mean what? I'm going to schedule in a moment to do something? <laughs> yeah. And you're going to be at it consistently throughout the week, throughout the month. Um, so that's one of the things I, I I enjoy doing. And also creativity. Before, when you're a victim, you don't really think of any, you, you think you're insignificant. And you think, who am I? But when you're a self empowered individual and you apply your creativity, you're applying your creativity in a way that you're saying, Well, how can I contribute? How can I add value? How can I serve? How can I how can I deliver on something to my best capabilities? You're not focused on your insecurities and doubts and what if I don't you know what the biggest thing most people forget about and time passes them so fast is that they never really give it their best go and they get disappointed at the end of their lives or whatever it is, and go, oh, I never did that real estate portal or I never did that business or I never made my millions or whatever it is. And I say this, you know what? If you tried and failed, the world is better off and you're better off because you're doomed if you've never even tried at all.
1: Absolutely agree. It's a lot of opportunities we miss if we don't take them, whether we succeed or not, right?
4: The results are irrelevant. Our effort, our best foot forward is the best thing we could do. And that's the only
1: thing we can control. And, And as far as time goes, Chris, I got in the habit years ago, I use an Outlook calendar, and I got in the habit of blocking time for things I want to do and putting it in my calendar. For example, if I have a bunch of bills to pay, and I really, i really don't wonder, well, they're due. Well, they're due in a week. I have time to get the check bill. I'll put a note in my calendar, appointment with myself, pay your damn bills this morning, get them all done, and I'll do them. That's all, all done uh, virtually, but I'll get it all done. Or let's say before this show and all my radio shows, I put in a 45-minute block of time that is sacred, and it's called pre-show prep. And it goes in my calendar in purple. And I know that 45 minutes is mine to get ready, whether it's to get dressed, put on my lipstick, finish my notes, make sure I have all the codes for the live streaming. I make sure that 45 minutes is only spent on pre-show prep. I oh, my God, I'm on the radio in five minutes. What am I going to do? I donate that time. I dedicate it to me for prep. Do you do that, Chris? Do you ever make appointments with yourself for things?
4: Uh, myself, I do, yes. of course. Yes. Uh, of course, Jim. Uh, um, sometimes taking time out just to walk and heal, uh, take it in. Um, you know, you know. i, I I've, I've, I'm fed up with uh, living a scattered life, a disempowered life. So these days, I do all I can to empower oneself. And mm-hmm. no one will empower us. The government won't. <laughs> uh, nobody will. Uh, it's up to us.
1: And And, and we don't. We don't have, we don't have mommies or daddies to tell us that anymore. We have to do no. It's up to us. And Um, and and that means our behavior, our
4: attitude, our actions are completely up to us. Nobody else. That's right.
1: Let me go around the table. Krista, any comments on that? Making appointments with yourself. Thoughts?
2: No, I have not gotten to be that disciplined yet. Since I have become a landlubber again, I'm kind of going with the flow these days, which is very undramatic. I have to tell you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I told you it was true confessions. Frank Douglas, what about you? Do you make appointments with yourself in your calendar to do things?
2: Uh,
3: interestingly, I had stopped doing that for about uh, four or five years uh, when I started my third retirement. And then when I started working on this book, and now that I'm in the phase of promoting it, et cetera, uh, now i am back to the calendar and blocking time off to do to do various things because there's just there's just too much to do and if you don't do that then you forget yourself
1: And there are so many distractions today, right? We are distracted. We're just magnets for stuff going on. We're not going to get into the news, but it was a heck of a news day today. We'll leave that one alone. I'm glad I'm still hosting my show. Leave it alone, Red. Don't go there. Okay, Krista, we have time for some more creativity statements. So I'm going to your statement number one. I'd love to read this for you. You say creativity in writing means letting the mind romp and play with ideas and images, and then finding the one that shouts at or resonates with you. Let's talk about your book, Krista. How does this work for
2: you? Well, to to start off with, I didn't know how to write a children's book when I began. So I went to the library and took out armloads full of children's books. And I was supposed to be reading them critically, but some were so delightful, I just completely forgot. (laughs) And I'd get to the end of the book and I'd say, why did she set that up? How did that flow? How did the character, you know? So once I had this sort of down in my mind, then I had to start and the book was written because a dear friend had lost her cat. She had died of old age and my friend was so devastated and I had said to her, honey, I'm going to write a book about your cat and make her famous. So I don't know that I've made her famous yet, but I have done the writing of the book part. It was so nice to think, how can I create a story with this cat that's going to be so dynamic and fabulous and funny and interesting, right? So then you think, and you let the little characters start talking to you, and they do. They actually come in and they become alive. And sometimes they do things that you don't want them to do, and you say, no, that's going a step too far. But if you pay attention to what they're saying, the book can almost guide itself. You know, But anyway, I had to start off by getting some guidance from all these real authors who were writing real books, and it helped. It really helped.
1: Very, very interesting. I've written three romantic comedy plays, Krista, and they literally wrote themselves. All I did was say, I want to write a play. I went online and I said, I need a way to set up an outline to write a play. How do you introduce the characters and the scenes and what kind of fonts do you use and how do you space it? And I don't know, what what point characters do you use and how do you do it? And I found a free website that I just downloaded the outline. I started filling in my stuff. When I got to the dialogue, the characters were talking through my keyboard, Krista. They were having conversations. They were telling me what was on their mind. It In four nights from one, I started at one in the morning and ended at four and I was working full-time at the time. In four nights, I wrote a play I contacted some community actors, community theater actors on Long Island, went to my TV studio. I had never directed in my life. And I became a director and a coach, and I gathered them. We set up a green screen, and we did the play. And then my friend and I I edited it down to 29 minutes and 30 seconds because that was the timing for my TV show. And we fit it into my time slot and we produced. I did three of those. But Krista, the characters just talked to me. They were there. They told me exactly what, who they were and what was on their minds. Very, very I, I,
2: interesting. I had forgotten to raise my little book. I was supposed to do that. I was hold to it steady.
1: It. Hold it steady. We're not seeing it yet. There we go. Papo. Yes. It's still blurry. We're gonna get there. Move it to a little bit to your to your left. Mm, not quite. Raise it up higher above your head. You know what? Pull it back. It's too close to the camera. Pull it back closer to you, and move it. Still, are right, you keep doing that, and I'll tell you when we can see it. It's still very, very, very. very cl- yeah, oh, sort of, sort of. Okay, it's just giving us a hard time. But it is. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Anyway, we'll get um, it. We'll get it. I want to go on. I want to read a statement from Frank. We have a few more minutes left, and then we have some famous birthdays and holidays to read. Frank, you say, "I'm just take two minutes with this, please." I am creative when I think laterally. Frank Douglas, talk to me. What does this mean? Let's
3: see. Oh, it's actually uh, uh, quite interesting. Let me share a story with you. Yes. One my uh, he was the uh, my boss who was the uh-huh. global head of research and development. Uh, it was actually passing. And his wife called me and asked if I would come and see him. And I went to see him. He was in Basel, Switzerland. I was in Frankfurt at the time. And I sat at his bedside. And he said to me, he said, you know, there are two things about you that I don't think you realize. And I said, what are those? He said, remember when you came to us, we kept pushing you into management and you kept insisting that you want to be on the bench. You're a bench scientist. He said, the reason for it has to do with two things. One, you think laterally, namely, whether it is because you have both a PhD and an MD, you are able to look at data from animals, look at issues that patients have, and come up with the type of study that we need to do in phase one and phase two, very early studies. And it's usually because you have thought laterally and you have brought disparate information together. And as a result, you you did some studies that actually really helped uh, the, the, the company with some of the novel mechanisms we had. Then he said, "In the second thing that uh, you, you do do, which is part of this lateral thinking, is that when there's an issue, you tend to see broader implications than the rest of us see. And we don't know why, but we think it is because you actually, you know, you do not see any particular uh, incident as an incident on itself. You see the implications, Uh, you see the other issues that might have contributed to it. So that when you address the problem, you address it from a much broader perspective. Uh, And I think that helped me to basically spur my brilliant scientists uh, onto uh, onto coming up with innovative solutions for problems uh, uh, in, in the industry.
1: Thank you, Frank. Very interesting. Creativity can be giving the spark and passing the baton to other people, right? and yes. helping, helping them find that spark in their own imagination. We have time for one more, and then we're going to do some quick famous birthdays. Chris, I'm looking at your number four statement. You say, I enjoy using my imagination and feel like there is no limit to what I could create, whether it's wealth, a service, a product, or even an impact. Just briefly, how does imagination figure into creativity for you, Chris? Uh,
4: uh, uh, my backyard is a good example. Uh, I've uh, went through it eleven uh, designs, eleven versions of my backyard to come up with what feels right. So my alignment with imagination and feeling just seems to work really well for me. And if I if I feel good about what I see, then I know it's often a good decision. Uh, and so I keep doing that time and time again, linking how I feel versus what I see in something. And then I've noticed something over, over the decades that pass, that when I've made a really good decision, when I've linked something that I've designed, something I've seen with something I've felt, that decades later, I still feel it.
1: Very, very interesting. It's palpable, isn't it? You feel really good about things like that. Thank you very it's much.
4: A, it's, a sa- it's the same thing with artwork, by the way. When you see okay. an artwork, it's mm-hmm. created, and you feel something, you always feel it, yeah.
1: I have 250 or 300 of those feelings. I've started painting (laughs) and drawing and collaging about four years ago, and I'm up to about 250, 275. A lot of, I I brought a, (laughs) the moving company gave me my own truck because I had, I think it was a (laughs) 13,000 pound move. and, And a lot of those boxes were my artwork. What can I tell you? My garage is my my gallery and my art room as well. Okay, let's do some uh, famous birthdays. We have some shout-outs, Shirley MacLaine. Oh my goodness, actress, author, dancer, quirky, strong-willed women and uh, eccentric characters. Right, Krista? Uh, So many accolades, she's had an Academy Award, an Emmy Award, two British Academy Awards, six Golden Globes, two Volpe Cups, two Silver Bears, on and on and on and on. And she is 89 years old today, Shirley MacLaine. She's Warren Beatty's sister, by the way. Barbara Streisand is 81 today. Hard to believe singer, actress, director. She she broke so many records as far as what she did. She's only sold a mere 150 million records worldwide. One of the best-selling recording artists of all time she was the first woman she got a an oscar for writing the love theme for a star is born in 1976 the first woman honored as a composer and for yentl in 1983 she became the first woman to write produce direct and star in a major film can you believe that And it was a a good film. Oh, Yentl was lovely. Absolutely. Cedric the Entertainer. He's only 58. If you know him, he's a comedian. He was on the Steve Harvey show. He hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and starred on The Soul Man. And he's on a comedy called The Neighborhood. I I like his personality. I don't watch that show. Kelly Clarkson, another groundbreaking woman, pop singer. She was the first American Idol winner in 2002. Hard to believe it's been 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. Her song... A Moment Like This became Song of the Year. She became a judge on the TV show The Voice. She won a Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Since You've Been Gone. Very powerful song. And she's on VH1's 100 Greatest Women in Music. Interesting. Now, I have two. We've got three minutes left. I'm going to rush. I have a, um, I don't remember. It's a. It's a woman, a girl. The name is KSO Solid. TikTok, 21 years old. And you know why I'm telling you this, Frank? Because this KSO solid creates dance videos, skits, and comedy content with her girlfriend. And she uses music tracks from current musicians. She has 1.1 million followers, Frank. Uh This is just from sketches and skits. And then here's one for you, Chris. Uh, Casper Lee, 29 years old, a South African video blogger. He does pranks, challenge videos, he collaborates with others. He was diagnosed with Tourette's at the age of 6 and his mother helped him write his his biography and it was already published. He's a chief innovation officer of a company called Influencer. He has more than 6 million subscribers on his YouTube channel. Okay. I had somebody who does uh, slime, I think it's slime produce slime video producer a couple of months ago. I announced that person's birthday. They had something like Nineteen million followers. I think we're all in the wrong business. Uh, in today, in uh, today, in music, let's see. The Beach Boys in 2012 began their 50th anniversary tour. Okay. Um, Robin Thicke performed "Lost Without You" after the Oprah show. So many viewers missed it that she had to bring him back one month later, which has never been done on the Oprah show. Uh, Billy Joel became the first non-athlete this day in 2006 to earn a banner at Madison Square Garden. He sold it out the 12th time on his tour of MSG. Unbelievable. His banner is number 12, hangs alongside people like Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, and Mark Messier. There you go. Um, The Beach Boys' Good Vibrations on Broadway closed after 94 performances this day in 2005. David Bowie, the late great, married his second wife. Iman, the model, married her in 92. uh, With rumors of a Beatles reunion swirling in 1976, Lorne Michaels, who produces Saturday Night Live, went on camera and offered $3,000, which was union scale, to the Beatles to reunite on Saturday Night Live. And Paul and John were watching from New York City, and they said, nah, we're going to pass it up with $3,000, so they didn't do it. And Bob Dylan, on this day in 1961, made his professional recording debut. He played the harmonica on Harry Belafonte's recording of Midnight Special. How much was Bob Dylan paid? $50. Today is Fashion Revolutionary Day. Apparently, people tell their famous fashion brands, oh, we're almost out of time. And it's Scream Day, and it's National Skipping Day. So I have my closing here. Erin's going to yell at me. I've got 30 seconds. So thank you to Krista. Thank you to Frank. Thank you to Chris. Here we go. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly kiss slowly it's the only way trust me love truly laugh uncontrollably (laughs) i did it for you and never regret anything that made you smile beautiful krista there's your book work late you don't need the money dance like no one's watching sing like nobody's listening i try not to sing and love like you've never been hurt we all have get over it let your heart regenerate rejuvenate money talks chocolate sings and last but not least i stole this line from somebody Thank you for turning me on Radio Red. Everybody wave goodbye. Read My Lips. We'll see you next week. Don't go away, guests.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.